Welcome to the summer hiatus version of the Flash Flash Cast, our remixed version of the Flash Flash Cast, where we do not one but two episodes, and we talk about uh, these episodes both from the perspective of, boom, we just watched them, and how they fit into the season at large. Uh, it's new, it's exciting, it's spicy, it is not a format that lasts into season two. Uh, I am Lisa Schmeiser, and with me as always are Tony Sindelar and Phil Moselak. Good morning. Hello. Good- yes. Or good evening. Yes. Well, happy whatever time of day it is that you are that you're listening to this from all of us here at Flash Flashcast. <laughs> we are going to start with Tony bravely taking on the one minute recap for episodes five and six. That would be episode titled Plastique, which was uh, season one, episode five. And then episode six was titled The Flash is Born. So, um, Tony, when you are ready, let me know when I can give you the cue to start. I am I am ready when you give me that cue. One, two, go. So, in episode five, uh, Flash unlocks two powers. He unlocks the power to run up a building really fast, and then back down the building. And then later, by running even faster, he unlocks the ability to run across water. Uh, Plastique is this week's uh, metahuman, and she's kind of a change in that she's our first non-villain metahuman opponent. And in fact, she's not really the true villain of the week. The villain of the week is General Eiling, who is who wants to turn Plastique into a weapon. And um, Plastique does not want that to happen. And ultimately, it does not work out so great for her. So the Flash gains a new kind of ongoing enemy in General Eiling. We also get a Gorilla Grodd cameo. Uh, the kind of B-plot to this is Iris is stepping up her blogging. In episode six, Flash deals with the metahuman Girder, who is his childhood bully, who is now a metahuman and can turn his his uh, body into steel that's inconvenient and joe makes inroads into investigating uh barry's mother's death uh and thankfully we learn that turning into metal can be defeated by running really fast at that metal ding the The last thing to say the flash Uh gets the name the flash as opposed to the streak there you go only six seven six seconds over so 66 seconds to cover 80 odd minutes of television very very flashy very did, flashy. Well done. What key key points did I did I miss in episode five and six before we jump into the the blow by blow and terror? Uh, oh, Wells and Joe. They have mm-hmm. basically two conversations that span the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, where they don't go so well. No, they don't go real well at all, do they? Nope. They looked really nice though. They they had a a really awesome feel to them. Uh, and you and it's. I think it's later in the season when we talk about that, you know, the whole wives dying, but we do mm-hmm. learn at the end of six that Harrison's um, wife was killed in an automobile mm-hmm. accident. Mm-hmm. And that's so supposed to take... Slowly trickling out the details about Wells's backstory. That's right. Yes. And, and, it, and, it, and it throws Joe off of the case that Wells mm-hmm. may have something to do with uh, uh, Barry's mother's murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an interesting cat and mouse dynamic at play with with Wells and Joe uh, in these early episodes, for sure, for sure. Um, One of the most chilling moments in episode, I think it's episode six, when the yellow flash comes in, takes all of the evidence, and then leaves a picture of Iris with the knife stabbed into it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty pretty rock and roll. Because it's also, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a chilling way to end this episode, and... Full credit goes to Jesse Martin for managing to look convincingly like scared, scared poopless. Because um, 
he plays that and he looks like both baffled and terrified at the end of that, which is just a wonderful, wonderful. Uh... I, I like him as an actor. I think he does a really solid job. I used to watch a ton of Law and Order and he's he's one of the main characters on Law and Order for a long time. It's funny because he kind of like dresses the same in this one because he's a cop. And so like, it's like, you kind of look like the same and he even wears the same hat a lot. And I just, I just assume that as an, like he is a person, maybe his head gets cold. So he wears like that. Like, yeah. The, the cop wears that, yeah. Where's that? Where's the watch cap the whole time? Yeah. So, but yeah, he does. His characters look very similar because they're mm-hmm. both, you know, they're cops, but like, I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid actor and you know, I think he's doing a lot, uh, a lot of, a lot of work in this, especially surrounded by kind of younger people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like him. Now, one of the things I really liked about episode five was the camaraderie that's emerged mm-hmm. between Cisco, Caitlin, and Barry. Mm-hmm. And I really like how Barry and Cisco seem to be really happy teaming up to play, you know, playful brothers to to Caitlin, and they're mm-hmm. trying to bring her out of her fog of of bitter grief. And and then she rewards that by making a concoction that Barry can get drunk off of for a few seconds, which is mm-hmm. very nice of her. I thought. Um, very I nice. really, I think. One of my most laugh out loud uh, moments in the Flash mm-hmm. was yeah. in this episode, in episode five, and it was just—it's totally like a throwaway joke, but it mm-hmm. was just that it was a visual joke, and the way Caitlin delivered it, it was when they had plastique, like, and they're out on the testing range, and she's like throwing various stuff and making it explode, and mm-hmm. Caitlin is like in the literally like in the background, like talking to Cisco while Barry and Plastique are in the foreground, yeah. and like Caitlin holds up like a boomerang and like shows it to Cisco and is like, "Didn't really think about this one, did you?" Uh, <laughs> I just thought for like yeah. a tiny throwaway line that was literally like in the background. That was hilarious. So yeah. I, I, that gave me a laugh every time I've seen that episode, even though like, no, yeah. I, know I coming, did like but... between those funny. two, but between mm-hmm. those two that with the, uh, you know, I can, I can give you a lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously, and plastic is very much a different character than we've seen thus far. Cause she's could be a ally. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it weren't for the fact that she tends to blow stuff up constantly. Um, mm-hmm. that, so the really chilling, because episode five, in many ways, um, I feel like it's the first one to show what the formula of the Flash is going to be, which is that you have this really touching camaraderie and good people who are genuinely interested in connecting with each other and making each other's lives better. And then you have the, the vaguely unsettling element, and then you have the it's time for someone to have a moment of maturity element. And to me, those last two were wrapped up in the conversation that Wells has with Plastique, where he manipulates her. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, oh, you called your unit the sheepdogs. And she's like, yeah, we're happy and normal until someone threatens our flock. And he manipulates her into mm-hmm. sacrificing herself that way and does a total head game on her. And it's so menacing when you watch it and you realize exactly, he knows exactly where her buttons are. And he's he's just push, 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 push. And... Because she's so desperate to get out of the life that she has, she just goes right along with it. Like she just walks right into it. And I want to talk more believe. about that conversation when we get to our spoilers at the end. But we, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 We're, no, we're not there yet, right? No. Does he? Oh. Does he have? I mean, I, I mean, I, I totally get that he basically just kind of preyed on her, but he doesn't have any kind of like Jedi mind tricks, does he? We haven't seen evidence in the first five episodes. I mean, most of the, or six, I should say, because most of the time when he's talking, it's to nudge people along different paths of inquiry, or it's to mm-hmm. deflect inquiry like he does with um, Jesse L. Martin's character. Jo- Joe. Joe, right? Am yeah. I blanking mm-hmm. on Joe. Okay, yep. thank you, because for a moment there, I, I, I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> so, um, going back and watching these with fresh eyes, as if for the first time, 
I think it was a brilliant casting coup to put Tom Cavanaugh in this position because Tom Cavanaugh tends to play as kind of an amiable goofball with a little bit of a careless streak. Like you think about what he played on Ed, you think about him playing JD's brother on Scrubs, and those are the kind of characters. And so you're like, oh, Tom Cavanaugh. And then he's just kind of manipulating people around him or, um, you know, moving puzzle mm-hmm. pieces into place. There's always this sense that he's got a long range vision that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy once and you're there's like, a lot oh, of wow. darkness to him, right? And we get that. Like, I mean, again, just talking about the first couple episodes, like, He's this brilliant scientist whose greatest triumph ends up being, like, a a huge failure, and he is, like, you know, I mean, he is, you know, he's not a villain, but, like, you know, he has lost all of the respect of, like, the city and presumably of the scientific community. He's, you know, he's totally, and we get seeds of that even in this with, with, you know, the general is, you know, walking around his lab disparaging him, and, you know, and then we get the further information about the tragic death of his wife. So there's, like, there's... A lot of darkness in that character that that Tom Cavanaugh really does a great job. He was not resentful or, like, Mm -hmm. mournful of what he did in this episode. That's what struck me. Mm -hmm. Like, I never Mm -hmm. got this feeling like, yeah, the accident. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really sorry about that. There was nothing in in the way he presented it that he was uh, mournful of it. He's angry. I would do anything to get back what I lost. Yeah. Yeah, no, when he he said that... Um, I thought, oh my gosh, that's again. Um, when we get to that point, we'll discuss it more. But when he said that line, like my ears perked up, and I was like, whoa, that's that's you know, there's that. So there's episode five, and then there's a total tonal ship in episode six. And um, Tony, when you and I tried to talk about this um, on an earlier attempt to schedule this, you mentioned um, it was a writer director team where everybody involved didn't work on any other episodes of The Flash this year. Yeah, I yeah. went and looked that up. Because mm-hmm. uh, it does, it feels like there's a lot more shots at night. Yeah. It feels very much more like an Arrow episode. There's a yeah. lot of stuff happening in the darkness, and um, it, it it is totally very different. We've got a lot more, which, you know, we've had some of, but that return to, we're going to have flashbooks to uh, Barry's childhood, which, I, I don't know, are a little weak as a device. But yeah, it does feel very different. Um, and, you know, I mean, it is interesting, because, like, so much about Flash Season 1 feels really cohesive and well-planned. But, you know, there are episodes, like, I mean, the Felicity episode that we saw feels so very different, and and this one feels... So there is, like, there's some texture, even though, like, everything is kind of fitting together into this great plan that's pieced apart, there is, you know, individual episodes definitely have a very specific tone and feel to them. You know, for better or worse, I guess. Yeah. Now, episode six is notable for a couple reasons. The first is that Barry breaks the barrier of sound, so we now know he can run faster than sound when he needs mm-hmm. to, which, when you think about it, is really creepy. Cause, and Cisco's real pumped up about it. Well, mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome in one level, and it's creepy in another, because if he were ever to become evil, you have somebody who could literally sneak up on you and kick your butt before you realized it. Like, you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to hear him coming. Um, and the other thing that we learn is that... Um, Barry Barry was born to take a beating, as it were, um, mm-hmm. and and he really oh god it's 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 a brutal episode in that sense where mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tony Woodward Girder just you know creeps on Iris, beats up Barry a few times. Um, hey, where it, did you learn his name? It's you know I went I actually saw it on the wiki. I did in my rewatch. It's it's more throwaway than other ones, but Cisco does name. But it is it is much like they don't repeat it over and over again like they do with other ones. So okay, okay, it, it's in there, like, but it's not. It's not as it's not nearly as kind of prominent as it is with other ones. Um, 
So, yeah. I thought the special effects on him were awesome. Like, mm-hmm. again, for a TV show, they really go all out with some of the digital work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we jump to – are we we're, – we're covering episode six now? I guess we are, I had, yeah. You know, I have to say, this episode, there's, there's still some really good stuff in it. I like mm-hmm. – I guess kind of the B plot with Joe investigating stuff. And you know, yeah. the nice thing about both of these episodes is the kind of main villain. I mean, I guess, and plastique is not the villain. She's, no. I guess she's the problem, right? The general Eiling is the villain. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they give us these things that are going to be a big deal later, right? Like we get general Eiling. He's going to come back. We get a cameo from gorilla Grodd. He's going to come back. We get the man in yellow doing spooky things, you know? So we get all these things that are actually like, those are the things that are going to play out. I, I don't know. I there I had a lot of issues with episode six. It feels kind of a lot sloppier than some of the other Flash episodes. Like, I don't like that, you know, the metahuman of the week, and like, literally, we're on episode six, six now. Every like, metahuman has been a jerk so far, except Well, Steve, again, yeah. also, not just a jerk, but like, mm-hmm. someone Barry knows. It's like, yeah. how small is this place that, like, <laughs> you have a personal relationship with the villain? Of the, like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that as, like, you know, you're going to run into everybody, you know. And there's some stuff in this. I don't like the part. And I mean, I think it was like, we need to have scenes with Barry and Eddie together. But like, I didn't like the plot point of like, you know, hey, let's go to the next city over and you're going to come with me to like, you know, question people and like be in a chase scene. I actually really liked um, the, so the things I liked in episode six, because both of these episodes are kind of world building as it were where, like mm-hmm. you say they laid down the foundation for stuff that's going to happen Let's, what i really liked about episode six is you see how you see the process of joe stepping up to become barry's surrogate father and mm-hmm. teaching him stuff that his real dad was never like his biological dad is never going to teach him but like here's how to throw a punch because mm-hmm. barry's parents are like oh just keep running faster you have a good heart and you know barry's second dad is a little sooner or later you're going to have to land a punch barry here's how so that said i loved it when um Eddie and Barry have the scene with the punching bag. I like that. That and made Eddie, sense to me. And they humanizes Eddie more than the previous five episodes. Oh, when definitely. Eddie, when Eddie was like, I was the fat, weak, unathletic kid of a local politician who had just cl- voted to mm-hmm. shut down a mill. Mm-hmm. And then he says, a gym teacher finally took pity on me. And like the way that whole thing is written, you can kind of see this kid's entire life story in your life story in five mm-hmm. sentences. And then you think, and then he turns out to, to be, you know, handsome and 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 charming and good-hearted and ambitious and he's a police captain who's dedicating his entire life to to righting wrongs and it's a it's a really great piece of characterization and my my sense is eddie eddie deserved more of that you know Mm because he's somebody who is on the same playing field as these guys he he obviously has that strength of character we get like one hint of it or rather we get one shot at it in episode six and um but it's universe building. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. good universe building in not a lot of dialogue. And and mm-hmm. the thing is, I kind of understand why you have to have why you have to show the limits to to um, Barry's powers because mm-hmm. after you go through, okay, he can now run vertically and horizontally. So in other words, he's managed out with gravity. He can run across water, which again, you know, defying physics, and now he can break the barrier of sound. You have to point out that this doesn't make him invincible. He's still vo- very vulnerable to a lot of different things, and he has to learn how to think his way around it. Um, mm-hmm. He's as much a superhero a f- between his ears as he is because of the velocity. We need a, like, a, a phone a physicist segment, because I think, yeah. again, not a scientist. I yeah. think if you run fast enough, you can go over water. 
Well, there's the, was, the Jesus lizard that does it. There's a, yeah. an actual lizard that runs across yes. water. Yeah. I don't know if that like is dependent on like the geometry of its feet or something like that. Um, yeah. and I sure, believe it's surface go, area. It's surface yeah. area versus speed. And think you have about to it. Make sure, you can yeah. skip a stone. You can skip a stone and by I, throwing it fast enough. I was told that you you know going. I was told I showed a physicist uh, that I'm you know that I know well the like the ending scene of the of the season. There is a thing where Flash does something where he's jumping up stuff, and I was told like, well, you know, you can't really quite like you could maybe run up a vertical wall by getting traction, but running up any surface more than vertical like maybe is not possible. But I don't know. We're not scientists. I shouldn't speculate. We need we need, clearly we need more scientific footnotes in this podcast. So we'll get on that for for next year. So we'll see what our science budget is. That's right. <laughs> yeah. no, we'll go. We'll, we'll we'll put some put some funding in the R and D. Yeah, I don't. So I didn't like the like the villain is the bully from his past. I I didn't like that. I didn't like that he then shows up and kidnaps Iris and then goes to the elementary school where he was. Like that felt like I really. Like and a, I, I want like you to write about me. For, I feel yeah. like it's an overwrought metaphor for everybody who's ever friended you on who's ever tried to yes. friend you on Facebook, and you're like, really, you made my life miserable from the ages of eleven to fourteen. Yeah, and there's always that moment where. Maybe it's maybe it's just me, but there's always that moment where, like your your guts are kind of churning because like that part of your brain is all I you know my you made me dread getting up in the morning and then the rest of you is like it's been years I'm a grown up I don't have to sit next to you anymore and I can be the bigger person and it really is just a it, imagine trying to deal with that when like your your middle school or elementary school bully is now made of steel and and is fixed on you. Yeah, I'm not accepting that friend request. So. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Every time I get one of those though, I'm all really? Oh, no. Yeah. So Yep, I'm 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 with you. But I don't, you know, it, yeah. to, for that person to kidnap you and bring you back to the elementary school is like, really? Like that you haven't grown like you are now a villain and you're just going to bring me back to like the elementary school that you were at like 20 years ago? No, there How are much people but How much there, emotional connection do you have to this place? There yeah. are people who are surprisingly like that, though. I, I mean, guess. Yeah. I mean, because I think we've established that since, since you don't know who you don't know who Crowded House were until we talked about it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> My greatest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> we've now found out what Tony's weakness is. 80s trivia. But when yeah. there was, a, there was a, a high school class reunion that made it across Facebook a couple of years ago, and what really surprised and horrified me was how my classmates ran up to the reunion by posting all these pictures of themselves from like your high school heyday. And then how many post reunion pictures and, and shots there were too. And and my whole reaction was, Oh my God, it was high school. It was an accident of geography and chance. Get over it. You know? <laughs> I, Lisa, I'm with you a yeah. thousand times. Percent, yeah. so. I've never been to a high school reunion. So I, I've, I, it's been it, it's, it's weird <coughs> to, to even I, be involved in it. I was like I, massively, I have, massively pregnant at the time. Will. I couldn't even fly. So, it, but even if I had not been like medically unable to go, I, I still be like, no. I if I liked you, I kept in touch with you anyway. <laughs> yep, yep. I so, don't, I don't see any opportunity here. So. I don't see any upside to reunion. So no. But, uh, but you know, there are people for whom you know. Well, my life is shaped by all of these accidents of geography, and I identify. And uh, you know, it's maybe this is the reason we're all having difficulty connecting is because we're not the type of people who who would think to bring our our nemesis back to school and then try to beat them up (laughs) by the way none of us will live up to be girder that's right and 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 speaking of girder's girder's action 
Um, mm-hmm. I almost called him Gurner. I don't know what that was all about. But, mm. you know, his main motivation is he wants Iris to write about her. Now, mm-hmm. going... It's I mean, the internet. Write about yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but, well, you know, with metal hands, it makes it really difficult. It breaks keyboards like it's going out of style. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a parent, I don't want anybody ever going to that school as a child or anybody involved in that school if the alarm goes off and all you have to do is take the alarm off the wall and it just turns yeah. off. Not not up to code. Yeah. No, that doesn't seem very code worthy to me. I mean, I'm not a zone zoning guy yeah. or a code inspector. You know, it's interesting because it, he is he's a little I mean, he's kind of squandered, right? Because mm-hmm. There, there probably could be some more interesting stuff you could do with him. I mean, because for example, like part of Gerder's origin story is that like he fell into a vat, and everyone thinks he's dead, right? So like, where has he been for the last nine months, right? Yeah. I mean, like drinking beer, he been doing yeah, where, like, how? You see what yeah. currency? Like everyone thinks he's dead, and then he, you know, eventually he shows up and goes on this crime spree. But like, you know, like. There's probably, like, some interesting elements of, like, you know, like, yeah, everyone thinks I'm dead. I don't have a life anymore. And so, like, yeah. all I can do is, I don't know, seal yellow Humvees or something. But, like, yeah. it, it's, there, there's probably something more interesting and psychological they could have done with that. And instead, it's just, like, I'm a guy who was a bully to you, like, literally, mm-hmm. like, 15 years ago. And I'm going to show up and, like, harass Iris at her work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've you know. already shown that he's got a failure of imagination. So, <laughs> with, with, you've had nine months to be a man covered in steel, and uh, literally a man of steel, as Dr. Wells says in a throwaway smirky line. Um, and, and the best you can think of is, I, I need to stock my, my, my elementary school classmates? Come on, what, what else? You could have gone into pro wrestling. Think big. <laughs> well, he, but he can't, because he's such an over-tipper. You know, he bra- yeah. he, when he breaks phones, he then gives you a fat wad of cash. I don't know. I also there was the whole thing where they use science to like figure out where his hideout is, and it's like (laughs) what I mean, like what about his last place of work? You know, it's like no, let's like analyze soil to figure out where the soil is from, and it's like, uh, like you know his name, and you know you like could you just look up his street address and his last his last address of of occupation? Check those out. Yeah, we weren't we weren't watching Sherlock. I was pretty sure we weren't watching that. So so I don't know. I thought that part of I mean. I guess to me, this is one of those episodes where, like, the A plot is not as interesting or as well executed as the B plot, which is like the B plot is is interesting. Yeah, with, all of this, with, all of the characterization in episode six was more interesting to me than than the eventual. And now my childhood Billy bully is locked in my workplace because who doesn't dream of that happening? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so do we want to get to the uh, Scooby Doo? I think we should. And- all right, let's talk about how we're going to place these episodes within the arc of the season. Ready for the Scooby-Doo move? Okay. Yeah. So All the, right. that, that talk with Plastique, uh-huh. like, the I would do anything to get back what I lost. Yeah. Which, seeing it the first time, seems like maybe it's about his legs or his reputation. Yes. And seeing it, having seen now... That is not what that talk is about. No, it's basically him saying all of season one is my fault because I will do anything to get back everything I've lost. And yeah. when I heard that, like having watched it through the second time, I was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and where being get back what I lost being get back to my time, get, yes. you know, my speed force powers back. Like, get my life back. Yeah. But yeah, even further that than like, that, you know, they were, t- he, even by the end of the season, we really never knew what he lost and what 
Barry had taken from him. Well, the, we, know, we know what he lost in the sense that he lost the ability to hop around from time to time to time. Because um, by, the, by the final thing, the fact that you get um, Jay Garrick's hat coming through, and um, you find out that this dude is completely fluent in Speed Force, and he's also completely fluent in time hopping, you get the impression that he's been pursued by a number of people for messing with timelines where he shouldn't have. So uh, I always thought I always thought as Yobard Thon was Barry. What you took from me is the ability to do what I want when I want to do it. Because Barry is attempting to. You can't mess with reality like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know. So that that was the way I always saw it. Um, it's not like Barry personally traveled through time and then like took his wife and threw her in a car accident or anything like that. Um, <laughs> That's just the well, action right right there. I threw you into a car accident. <laughs> <Bing>. <laughs> so. Th- there is, and I have not. This is I haven't read it firsthand. This is a, like a read on a on a wiki somewhere. You know, one of the one of the, and I think because there are multiple, but like one of the kind of origin stories of the Reverse Flash is that he there were, he starts out Eobarthon um, starts out as like basically an incredibly enthusiastic fan of the Flash, right? And he att- he basically attempts to recreate the experiment that, or the the accident that gave the Flash his powers and all that to get his own powers. But he basically starts time traveling, and he discovers that he is destined to be the Flash's greatest villain, oh. and that drives him crazy. Um, and that is like that's a pretty cool time travel paradox story, origin story, as far as I'm concerned. The idea that like I mean, have like, that like you're idol, and then you discover that like you are basically fated to be that person's uh, greatest nemesis, and that totally you know flips your world upside down. Um, and then, well, you, kinda, but then you follow I, through with it. Yeah. Well, you're trapped. That's fate, right? Well, this is you actually know. so. This is the actually the thing that has always, always, always bugged me about um, to get heavy from it. This is the thing that always bugs me about the Jesus Christ crucifixion story: is the idea that Judas was set up to betray Jesus and then kill himself and go to hell for it. And I was like, wait a minute, Judas had a choice to say no. And the nuns were all like, no, he really didn't have any choice. And and this Yobard Thon thing is beginning to sound like somebody like had some Catholic school theology and went, no, the same way. <laughs> it's just, that's weird, man. No, I, 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 I can't imagine... I, I can see where it makes him for a good storytelling because you're like, oh, it's a dramatic cycle. Like the strain of, of, of everything he's held dear is is, is going to be violated by his mere being. And he's like, no, my brain can't take it. Snap, evil. But, you know, it it's really operatic and far-fetched. <laughs> so. so I, did, I did notice, and mm-hmm. again, this is me coming from a more Marvel background. So, uh-huh. but seeing it again, I did notice the Adam stuff coming into play but i didn't know anything about the atom i don't know anything about palmer palmer industries anything about that kind of stuff and i can't mm-hmm. remember in parallel with arrow like did we see was palmer a part of arrow at that point because that's when i noticed like palmer industries um when barry was painting the guy's house and mm-hmm. doing like all the good deeds of the day but there was like clearly palmer stuff out there but yeah, i can't remember where that was Okay, he, that so, so that had nothing to do like Arrow. He wasn't even on Arrow yet. Uh he he appears in in the first episode of season three. So he does, he yeah. yeah. No, Palmer Industries takes over Queen and Queen Consolidated. Okay, so he's at okay. least yeah. I I mean he's not the Adam yet, but Ray no. Palmer is Ray is Palmer there. and Palmer Industries are, are already a thing by by Arrow episode three season episode one season three. 
But to be honest, um, the Flash kind of shoots that in the kneecaps too because you read the future paper in the first step in, in 1 1, and it's Queen Consolidated and Wayne Enterprises or Wayne Core Holding or whatever. And you're like, okay, so at some point, you know, Oliver Queen gets the company back or somebody gets the company back and names it Queen Consolidated. It's no longer uh, Palmer Enterprises. So anyway. Um. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't even notice that part. Yeah, no, on the um, on the fake newspaper, not the fake, the future newspaper that we see in episode one, and we're all, oh my gosh, Dr. Wells, you're from the future, whatever. Like, the big headline is The Flash is still missing, and in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a headline about how Queen Consolidated and Wayne Industries, or Wayne Enterprises, whatever it's called, like, the, to long story short... Um, those two companies merge. So I can only imagine that Bruce Wayne and uh, Oliver Queen are now on the same board of directors. And I would love to see a spinoff just about those board meetings, to be honest with you. <laughs> Assuming Bruce Wayne is still, you know, alive. alive maybe he's yeah. not an, you know, he's also not a super yeah. active, uh, you know. Yeah, Bruce Wayne. Exi- Bruce Wayne exists for tax purposes. Yeah, so Bruce, Bruce Wayne is basically, oh, he's a feckless playboy who comes out once, once every few weeks. So mm-hmm. there's all that, but. Yeah. Oh, and but- you know, and he's—I mean, there's that's the whole plot in one of the yeah. Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Is he's he's suspicious of the evil company taking over his company? But, yeah. you know, Palm, Palmer Tech. Yeah. What could they do wrong? Especially Palmer Tech, as run by Felicity. You know. Yeah. Because which I has not been, which did- should be renamed to Felicity Tech. Yeah. Yeah. But, exactly. Or Smoke Tech or whatever. But, but um, oh, Smoke Tech sounds creepy and cool. Anyway, <laughs> we're now no longer talking about the Flash. So let's get back to that. no the um. To elaborate a little bit more, they give Eddie this great backstory in like five sentences, literally, and it shows you what a great guy he is. And you really don't give him any more than that until the final episode where he has the mm-hmm. talk with Victor Garber's character and realizes he's the wild card dude, you know? It's, I have to say, I had forgotten all those backstories, so it didn't yeah. stick with me very much. No, it, the only reason it stuck with me now is because I was really struck by how much of a word picture they were able how much of a picture they were able to paint in, in comparatively a few sentences and what a great guy it really makes eddie turn out to be well like and, and what i enjoy is how the writers are like basically stacking the deck the whole season with eddie is fantastic eddie is kind eddie is loyal eddie is nice eddie's mm-hmm. a great boyfriend don't don't go horning in on this barry because this is a good thing for iris <laughs> but this sets up i went i went and watched an extra episode just for the just for the heck of it mm-hmm. and this does set up in a really interesting arc with Eddie because he then becomes kind of a heel. Um, I don't want to go too far ahead, but he doesn't really like the Flash. He doesn't no. want, yeah, and so he's in, he's going to set up his own little task force. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting as much as we kind of dig him at this point, he then become kind of turns on us. Mm-hmm. I never super came around on, on Eddie as a character I was super yeah. invested in. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the lovable golden retriever. Yeah. He's, he's written kind of unevenly, right? Like, they yeah. never really get practice with who he is. Because, like, sometimes yeah. he's really mm-hmm. dumb, and sometimes he's totally competent. And empathetic, and, and yeah. Yeah. To, to touch on the task force thing from, I guess, because I was used to um, Arrow, where... Mm-hmm. Um, where Lance, I I, I don't yeah. even want to give him a rank anymore because he gets busted up and down so often it's <laughs> not even funny. But where Lance points out, reasonably speaking, that vigilantes actually make law enforcement's job harder because mm-hmm. it's a temporary fix and not a long term one. So I'm pretty sympathetic to law enforcement being like, ah, oh, we don't see the, you know, some some random super speedy guy just dis, you know doing what he wants when he wants on a completely unpredictable schedule. Like, there's no way those guys would embrace that. So that mm-hmm. make that always makes sense to me. Um, 
And that also sets up the premise for all sorts of wonderful comic book conflicts, because there's always a comic book plot line where you have some world government decide to build their own race of superheroes that they can easily control, and it never goes well. So, <laughs> so. You know, uh, did everybody know this feels the- weird? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. The, what thinking about Eddie for a, a little bit more just mm-hmm. occurred to me is like yeah. the scene later where like he gets mad at Barry and like punches Barry yeah. feels like especially not consistent with the origin story of, of Eddie that we get in, yeah. in these like that he is this kid who he was bullied as a kid too and you know and all and he's you know and he coaches Barry on how to take a punch and the fact that like he takes a swing at Barry and knocks Barry down later like just does not feel like yeah, they kind of retconned They yeah. really kind of retconned. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, they don't... Eddie doesn't get characterized very well through season one, because um, I'm sitting here cavelling about how he mm-hmm. did in this episode, and you're right, there's the punch later on. And then there's the apology when they think that he was out of his mind. But um, Eddie gets the same treatment that Caitlin does, where it's pretty inconsistent and uneven. And, the, and my theory is there are probably one or two writers who were invested in these characters, and... Either they were successful making their case every week or they weren't, which is why Caitlin goes from being somebody who is slowly like learning how to move on from her terrible loss and reconnect with people. And, and, and she's fun loving and smart as, as seen by the fact that she's willing to make Barry what is basically super moonshine. And then, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and she's the one that points out all the weird things like, Hey, why, why would I want to come to work every day over a bunch of superpowered criminals? And then a few episodes later, she's back to my boyfriend and, and, or, or she's, Mm -hmm. she's, you know, just, just kind of the damsel in distress. So she wasn't very well served. Iris wasn't very well served. Eddie wasn't very well served. That said, Barry and his three dads got the consistent nail, you know, um, and it's interesting because Wells is still not one of his dads here. That doesn't come until like another couple of episodes. So the other kind of question I had about Wells from Uh now having seen all the way through, but from one of the scenes in these episodes Mm -hmm. is in the, I believe in the second conversation that Joe and Wells have, and you know, Wells picks up that Joe is investigating him. Yeah. Um, and things get kind of sour. And there's there's a thing there where, you know, Wells seems to have very real emotions about the death of his wife. Yeah. And the question is like, does Eobard actually have those emotions as part of whatever he used to absorb like I mean, did yeah. he absorb he Wells' face? Is he a really great actor, or did he or, actually like, is, is, absorb is, is, Wells' is, memories is, and emotions? Yeah, what level sociopath is he, or yeah. does he actually have some of those feelings? Because there's all there's the, that's the whole conjecture for like future appearances of Wells and or Reverse Flash is like, yeah. is there a part of Wells trapped inside Reverse Flash that can be? And that's part of that is people want Tom Cavanaugh to come back, right? Well, he and came like, to Comic Con, but I don't know if that's just I'm throwing everybody off the trail or what. I have no idea, uh, you know. And it's well, like, like at this point, like I'm just I'm going to wait until I see what I see on the screen. Yeah. Like, there's that's the whole thing with Game of Thrones right now is mm-hmm. whether whether one character is really dead or like totally a fake out. But yeah, and like I don't know, but people like, but so that's my question, and I don't know if we have an answer to that based on the, even the whole season. Like, yeah, is he that level of sociopath? Because or or did the actor not totally know? Because I I don't know. He sold me on that he really cared about his wife. Who, who see, died and tragically. I yeah. I got from it like I thought this is where you were going to head down the tunnel of he actually we see that connection between he and mm-hmm. Joe. Like it was mm-hmm. a really cool like yeah. scene of them just talking and connecting, mm-hmm. and it was almost like and- he 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 really hasn't had anybody to talk to that's his age mate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
Oh. So I don't know. I mean, that was, it's, and I can remind me because I'm, I'm blanking on it. Yeah. You know, he does the thing. He stages the accident. He has that little, it looks like the device from Fringe where he like, you know, it basically auto, you know, disintegrates the real Wells and he looks like Wells. Is he also stealing like his, his knowledge? Yeah. Is, I forget. Cause is, or is it that, so is he actually stealing like his science intellect? Yeah, I, I don't I, think it's that, but I think something well, has to come do down the, the line. How else could he do the science, though? Ooh. Well, I, I, I mean, don't know if that's like he he's from the future. Like, and, does he have yeah. Gideon and Wikipedia, and they explain this yeah. is what has to happen? Like, is everything they're doing now the equivalent of calculus in the in the twenty fifth century? Yeah, I, no, I don't know. no. What I what I what I wonder, and again, we'll see what we see when when that guy two builds happens. it. Wells does build it, and well, so he would know is, about is, it. But Yobard Thon as Wells. Can Yobard Thon as Wells really build it so well that A, it works, and B, it has just the flaw he needs for it to get Barry? Or does he actually absorb enough Wellsian knowledge? Um, like, that's a question that now now I'm going to be up, up all night trying to figure that out. Um, and then the other thing is, is since Yobard Thon, in theory, gets wiped out at the very end of um, season one, so you can kind of hit the reboot button on all of Central City and the reactor and mm-hmm. everything. like. How is this going to work? This is the thing about time travel that I always find so tricky is is the causality inflection points. Like we watched that Tom Cruise gets killed multiple times movie last mm-hmm. night. Oh, yep. Oblivion. Ed- I like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Which um you know, it, it was an okay way to spend 2 hours, but um <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think well, as far as big budget science fiction movies, I think it's it's the problem you know, is it beats is ground- the average. Is the problem is it was made in a post groundhog day world and it could be yes. a heck of a lot funnier than it is. And problem number two is anytime you do these these time travel movies with the loops, I feel like there should be an infographic at the bottom of the screen illustrating all the loops and jumps and backs and forths and what's been affected and what's not. Just because have you, it's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> have you seen Looper, uh, Lisa? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. I have, have you seen, but uh, I, Primer? Cannot, I cannot get behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Primer? I feel like any science fiction movie discussion has to include Primer, which is the one of the hardest to follow time travel movies ever. Um, I think I but have, but I think I saw it late at night too, which is also some people worse. do. Not, some people do not like it. It has some. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's done on like an indie budget, um, but it's it's pretty good. I will also mention. I have to say, a science fiction time travel movie I saw recently that I was surprised how good it was because I had not heard any press about it was um, Predestination, which is based on like a famous Heinlein uh, Robert Heinlein story. Um, so I, I recommend that, but. I recommend a lot of science fiction movies that some people do not care for. Well, so. they also did. Um, they did. <laughs> Take a t- what you will. They did um, the Prestige, which is where uh, yeah, crazy Hugh Jackman inadvertently invents teleportation and, and human cloning in the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds, which was another movie where I watched at the time. I'm like, well, this is attractive, and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't ready for that. The but Prestige. It was good. Oh, oh but my it, gosh! But I liked it. No, but I don't but, know. But, but this 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 is the this is actually not a complaint about the flash but the thing is is now that um Eddie ends season 1 by killing himself and thereby erasing Yobard Thon exactly how much is that going to affect basically their entire lives since everything has been shaped by Yobard Thon/Harrison Wells for the past decade Yeah I don't know Yeah no it's but, it's like But you have Barry who and, and has mm-hmm. transcended time Yeah potentially so, how does does he somehow? Because we still have reversed? that version of Barry who shows up in the room who has mm-hmm. not done that yet, right? That's right. You know, there's still mm-hmm. that there's still a Barry in the future in the slightly different suit who's got knowledge mm-hmm. that you know we don't know yet what that is, right? God mm-hmm. Barry, 
So I don't know. Time travel. More trouble yeah. than it's worth. It but is. it's also you know Yeah, but so, so there's still that it's still that alternate universe where that tidal wave crashes Central City. So Yeah, no, it's, no, it's when is it when so, is a flash gonna so zip over and fix that? So here's something that are we gonna see plastic again? Because um I got the impression that uh, Eileen went trawling for her body because he didn't think she was genuinely dead. I mean, she seemed, I don't know. That was, I thought, pretty definitive when the giant explosion. But, yeah, I, 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 I've yeah, seen that kind of one-off. Hey, I mean, comic yeah. book, anything could happen. She could have a sister or a clone exactly. or a robot or a robot clone. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with comic books. Uh, robot clones. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, so the life model is a koi? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It would I have, be great. I have some real time I would, I'd love to see her back. I thought questions. she was cool. If anyone's interested. Yeah. What was that? I'm sorry. Oh, I, I sorry. was saying I'd love to see her back. But yeah. I, I mean, at this point, you know, we only saw her episode five and there was no mention of her. Eesh, you know, but, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought I, I thought there was some ambivalence about whether or not she was still alive. I guess there's not because, like you said, giant explosion. Um it honestly amazes me, though, that nobody snapped a picture of Barry with their camera phone as he came running across the water up the shore and then pulled off his hood all, because <gasps> yeah. I, I thought, oh, my God, that's terribly exposed. <laughs> I'm like, there have been Loch Ness monster pictures that have sold for thousands of pounds with a lot <laughs> less definitive evidence than that. So <laughs> doesn't he, he even earlier he does that, too, right? There's yeah. a lot of like, you know, I need to take off the hood because it's hard to act through it or, yeah. you know, for dramatic effect. And, it, and it's true. It is hard to act through it. Like and he that. was running around with his boxers. Uh, if you would remember yes. uh, when his it, suit got his suit destroyed. gets exploded, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's that too. But yeah, it's episode five is is very sad in some ways because Barry finally finds somebody who is a meta human and not evil, and then boom, she blows up. And then episode six is is a it's furniture moving, but in a good way because it builds up the uh, it builds up the universe for for much much later. Um, especially with Doctor Wells, like I can't help but feel like Doctor episodes five and six were very. Like, I wonder if someone sat Tom Cavanaugh down and said, all right, look, this is where we're going, so this is how you're going to need to start playing it. And, and he went I, with it. I have to believe that he was told the whole way through, but I, I, don't, I don't know. So I have, some, I have some real-time follow-up. I have consulted a physicist about our physics questions. Um, if, so I'm going to answer questions for people. This is going to be great. If you disagree with these, please don't write to me on Twitter, because I'm not qualified to answer them. So I have consulted a physicist. I have asked them two questions. Uh, one. Uh, can is it possible to run across water? Um, and I've been told that that is not possible. Uh, obviously, there are some creatures that can do it, like water bugs and the Jesus lizard. Um, but you need basically the right shape and very low mass um, in order to to balance your weight. Because floating on water is due to the buoyant force, the same mass of water displaced as your mass. So if you have huge pontoon shoes like giant snowshoes, you can do it. Water striders do it because their mass is so low. They don't yeah. actually need to displace the water, and the surface tension is enough to hold them up. But for any superhero, they would need to somehow, through magic or something, uh, science magic, if you will, uh, increase the surface tension <laughs> in order to wa- walk on it. So, you know, maybe maybe a Captain Cold could, could freeze the water uh, really fast. And, you know, Ant-Man mm-hmm. could probably do it, or a Shrunk Down Atom, but the Flash yeah. could not uh, run across it. Uh, also, with regard to, can the Flash run up a vertical building if he runs Flash? The Flash cannot do that. Um, well, t- the Flash doesn't know that, so that's why he can do it. But you can't run up a per- <laughs> perfectly vertical building, because when you push with your feet, that would also push you away from the building. So if yeah. you were hanging from a rope, 
you could run really fast and that would pull you up. Um, but otherwise, you would basically kind of propel yourself off the building and that would not help you very much. Um, so that is what a physicist has told me. If you disagree, don't tell me. So take that, science nerds. Um, so, I, I mean, that doesn't surprise me in that basically the Speed Force is no, basically No, I appreciate magic, that. Right? Speed Force is basically magic and that's why... Yeah. Things that are, you know, don't really make sense are possible with the speed force. Um, the speed force is like the force. It's like the force force, really, where you can throw words like midichlorians at it, but that just makes no sense. So I yeah. don't know what you're and, talking you know, about. I will tell you in the Flash New Fifty Two comic, the the New Fifty Two comic, they do try and unpack that mm-hmm. in ways that are very midichlorian esque. For example, there's a version of Gorilla Grodd who taps into the speed force, and that's what gives him his psychic abilities because his mind is so fast. That is not a rewarding explanation, um, but that's the one that we are given. No, also, yeah. it seems like if your mind is that fast, how can you possibly communicate and get anything done? You're working on a completely different level. I, you know, it's, it's comic bookery. What can you do? Ugh, I just, uh, all right. This is hurting my head. So, <laughs> so I think what we've agreed with these episodes is um, good place setting episodes, as it were. Some interesting things. We weren't crazy crazy about them raised a lot more questions than they answered laid down some interesting groundwork um anything else that pops out for you guys no no i'm ready I, I to think, see the next one yeah 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 okay. i think these are your classic furniture arranging for for later payoff that you know, yes. we know having seen it is worth it mm-hmm. all right yeah. so we got that going on so uh notes to all listeners our last um summer retro flash flash cast special feature is going to cover episodes seven eight and nine since the original flash flash cast did start at season one episode 10 so i want to repeat we're going to do one more summer spectacular it will probably be slightly longer than this one since we are covering three episodes and those will be episodes seven eight nine if you want to watch ahead feel free to ping us with questions about those episodes things you'd like us to pay attention to or things you'd like us to address we're all open to feedback on twitter um you can also address it to the incomparable because uh, the folks who man the incomparable feed will make sure that we see everything too all right so i'm gonna wrap this up if anybody has doesn't have anything else to say if you do have something else to say say it now i second the adjournment all right yep so moved i i i i i i all right so again, <laughs> i forget if i'm a pirate or a politician but i <laughs> so. why can't you be both um well it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Have you read all of Robert's Rules of Order? The pirate section is quite complicated. So. <laughs> Parlay. I'm yeah. going. I'm going to end this on a high note. Then, um, with you as always, I'm Lisa Schmeiser. Uh, I'm Phil Moslak. I'm Tony Sindelar. All right, yar. Good night, everybody. Yar. <laughs>